Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Is there still a place in mountain biking for Lycra? And then the math goes wrong and it ends up being 2,500. The grips were so hard, I, I basically had stigmata in my hands. Efficiency has always been allied falsely, in my opinion to the amount of travel a bike has. Hi everyone, it's Mark here. Now, just before we start this week's episode, I want to tell you about our sponsor, Oladance. If you're looking for earbuds while riding, Oladance wearable stereo are the ones you need. The unique open ear design of Oladance allows you to listen to your favourite music when riding, yet still hear your surroundings to keep you safe. Now, what interested me is that unlike bone conduction headphones, their open-ear design and multi-support design means your ears will never get tired or fatigued, even after two hours or more of listening. They also don't interfere with your helmet and glasses when you're putting on all your gear. Plus, the dynamic driver the earbuds use is three times bigger than most headphones, which allows them to deliver superior sound. The 16 hours long-lasting battery can last for your whole day. Just visit oladance.com forward slash STW and use the code STW30 to save 20% on your purchase. That's oladance.com, O-L-A-D-A-N-C-E dot com forward slash STW and the code STW30. Get yours now. Hello, single track listeners. Mark here. You join us for another weekly single track world podcast. This week, I'm joined in the virtual studio by me, Benji Howarth, tech editor person. And me, Chips Chippendale, uh, editor at large, currently at large in Somerset for a change. Chips, you're in the country. 
why? What are you doing here? I thought we'd actually, uh, I thought you'd, you'd been Rwandered. <laughs> well, yes, I am a, a Brexit refugee, but, and I do normally live in France, but uh, I'm over for a couple of weeks to hopefully oversee the final sale of my house. And also I am guiding a, a trip for MTB Wales, uh, the Transcambrian, so a three-day trip across Wales. I'm going to be a responsible guide for uh, for a few days. Keep my hand in. That's something probably I wonder if our listeners know that, that you are actually a qualified mountain bike guide these days, aren't you? Yes. Uh, you know, hard as it may, may be, I, I do. Uh, yeah, I'm a, a British Cycling Level 3 mountain bike guide, which as far as I know is, is like as good as it gets. So tell us about the, the Trans Wales thing. Where does it go to and from? The, the Trans Cambrian is sort of, it goes east to west from the English-Welsh border, sort of about halfway down mid-Wales, starts in the town of Knighton, and it goes sort of due west to Raider, and then it does a, a sort of lap of the Elam Valley, goes around a bunch of reservoirs, and you eventually arrive sort of two and a half days later in McCuntleth. Uh, I think the full route actually goes all the way to um, Dovey Junction to the to the sea, but traditionally it sort of seems to everyone gets to the pub in McCuntleth and they've had enough and uh, they stop there. <laughs> Some classic riding then. Yeah, it's it goes through what they call the the Green Desert of Wales. Uh, so it's there's a lot of big empty countryside, lots of sheep farming, very little in the way of resupply stops and pubs and things. So uh, I think we stay at the only pubs that are on the route. So very, very much a pub to pub occasion, this one. Yes, you know, it's it's done for completely practical reasons, just because that's where you can <laughs> keep your bike and get a nice meal in the evening. Nothing to do with rewarding yourself with uh, beers for a job well done. Well, that sounds cool. So we're going to see you up here in the office, aren't we, next week? Is that right? Yes, I'm going to be around uh, Monday, Tuesday, uh, probably when this comes out, and uh, marvel at all the, the secret test bikes that I don't know about. <laughs> well, uh, Benji can tell us all about those anyway. So first of all, Benji, what have you been up to this week? Finishing stuff for the next issue of the mag. So been hardtailing around and about on different price point and different Use a group hardtails, I call them really. So, in, in our tradition of naming, of having a theme for bike tests, what, what is the theme other than just hardtails? The theme for this current half an hour, so it changes <laughs> again. I think it's called Double Your Money Hardtails, I think. Oh, I see. So, so, the theory there is that each one is twice the price of the one before. Yeah. Is that the kind of thing? 600, 1200, and then the mass goes wrong and it ends up being 2500. But that's, you know. <laughs> Happens when you spend over budget, isn't it? Yeah, and we've cool. got um, bikes from. Well, you know, look, is it a surprise? It's not really. We've got the Voodoo, no, Bra Brag, Brag, two A's. I don't know. Merida Big Trail four hundred, and uh, Trek Pro, Pro Caliber nine point six. All right, I'm guessing that's the one that's the expensive one. Yes, it's got the um, ISO speed. Soft tail. Uh, oh, so it's not quite, it's not actually a hard tail. It is when you stand up. Oh. It's like a YBB or a very, very small URT. What's a YBB? Is that a moot? What's a moot? Yeah, it was a moot. What does it stand for? What does YBB stand for? YB beaten. 
<laughs> and it was. And it was like a, a wishbone, seat stay, flex chain stays, and there was some sort of elastomer or spring spring in the bit above the stays leading to the seat tube that would move a little bit. We, we actually have each other on video here, so it'd be in, it's interesting to watch Benji there close his eyes and imagine it and draw the shape of <laughs> yeah. the back end of that bike with his fingers. I think it was a wishtail. It must talking. have been a wishtail, because that's how it works, isn't it? must have been. Yep. And then, so what about, you, what about URT? What does that stand for? Unified Rear Triangle. Okay, um, Try right. Try and, um, without using your fingers and closing your eyes, can you explain what a URT is? <laughs> It was a way of not dealing with how the drivetrain and the rear suspension can interact with each other. Um, so the drivetrain was on the swing arm. There you go. Okay. Well, how would you rate that description, Chips, for a words-only definition of URT? Yeah, that's that's pretty good. Yes, the the, the bottom bracket and the... Rear triangle were all all in this on the same non-moving bit of the bike, and then the uh, the, the pivot was between the uh, bottom bracket and the front of the bike, I guess. And the defining feature of it was that when you sat down, it was nice and comfy because the bike kind of squished around. But as soon as you stood up, you were effectively standing on the rear triangle, and the suspension didn't work. So when you were descending. You were on a rigid bike and when you were riding along and needed all that efficiency and power you were on a full suspension bike so possibly not the best way of doing things uh-huh i see there we go all right it's always good to whenever we mention these the uh, three letter a three letter acronym TLA. it's got to spell a word doesn't it an acronym is that tla tla yes three letter acronym it's always good to, to flesh these things out because we kind of assume that everybody knows what we're talking about sometimes so yeah, the, the Pro Caliber is a URT, really. It, it does feel a bit like that. That's the idea. Again, taking liberties with the titles, it's not even hardtail, is it? <laughs> that's how we roll here at Single Track with our themes and bikes. Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes we'll do a test that's just because they're all the same colour. That's how vague it does look good. Sometimes it's the best looking one, I think. Even though it's not my usual thing, I think it looks quite good. So um, I'm going to say, how much for the Voodoo? Five eighty. Wow. It's not bad, is it? Well, a lot of this is kind of countering all the, um, not countering, showing another side of the five-figure, You not, not actually e-bikes, but a lot of them are e-bikes. It doesn't really matter if it's got a motor or not, because we, we've got one mentioned the other day, I can't remember what it was, but there was a, a five-figure, just normal mountain bike. Yeah, we were talking about that in the office, wasn't it? Yeah. So it's like, I think it was, it was about 11,000 quid. Yeah, because I think me and you thought we were talking about an e-bike. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's not an e-bike. It's just a... Okay. Right. But it's like, well, you could have one of them, you know. It, yeah, but you know what? You could also go on this 600 quid voodoo. That's really, yeah. really all right, really. Hey, Chips, do you remember the article we did years ago where you did the Maritana Loop on a 100 quid bike from Halfords? Uh, I do very much so. It was actually a 75 quid bike because I think I spent my, my spare 25 quid on a pair of SPDs and the grips were so hard I, I basically had stigmata in my hands after that because the uh, the grips were so hard. But it, it, it made it round and I think we successfully sold it to a reader for 50 quid after that. That is voodoo. It's perfectly good. It rode everything. I've not I've not shied away from the usual places. If you know where you're going, you know, you might not be able to stop quite as fast but it has disc brakes and yeah 
disc brakes are just still not really bedded in. I think it's like 100 miles or something in it, and they're still, the back one's still like a mirror. They must be like the world's most durable pads. So I, have, I did eventually swap them around, so bedded in the front, and I thought, oh, I'll put these in the back and start all over again. It's good. Fork doesn't really do an awful lot. Right, well, let's move on because Chips, onto some actual news. Um, Chips, you've actually, today you said you were actually writing a story that might not be out when we publish this, get this uh, podcast live. But anyway, you can tell us about it now. Give all our listeners a preview of what's coming up. You've found some new tech. Uh, um, I think the two buy system's coming back. Yeah, two two buy is 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 back. Whether you well, whether you like it or can afford it, uh, we'll come to that bit in a second. But uh, there's a company called Classified, which has been making big uh, waves in the road world because they have developed a sort of very well engineered, lightweight, electrically shifted two speed hub, and the idea is that uh, certainly on the road you can ditch your front derailleur you can run a, a single chain ring and yet you still have the small changes in uh, steps and gears that road riders like and you can and it shifts under load your pretend front derailleur basically shifts under up to 1200 watts i think so you could do it mid sprint if you really wanted to not that you would, but so it can handle lots of power. And so that's that's been sort of making waves in the road world. But they have this month announced their new mountain bike version. So it uh, there's a mountain bike hub. The hub itself has this two-speed shifter, uh, two-speed shifting mechanism inside it. And there's a wireless shifter that, that operates it. And it's all very clever, so they reckon. You said that the block on this is actually proprietary. Yeah, it's, they make the block on it. Uh, what's what's the range of that block? The hub itself, if you imagine, I, I think most people will know that the, the SRAM cassettes are a, a sort of a hollowed out cone of metal and the classified cassette looks very similar. It's ho uh, hollowed out from one lump of steel and the, the hub itself is this cone that fits into the back of it. So, it, it, you know, it doesn't really take up any extra space. For the mountain bikes, they are doing a 12-speed cassette they do an 11 to 40, uh, and they also do an 11 to 34. But with the 11 to 40, you get a 530% range of gears, which is just more than you get in a roll-off 14-speed hub, and it's uh, more than the 520% you get from a SRAM 10 to 52 cassette. The, the hub basically offers a reduction of 0.7 in the gear ratio. And I rode the, the road version uh, at the Tour of Flanders. Um, not the race, you understand. I wasn't racing the Tour of Flanders. <laughs> but I did do the 75k kind of cobbled classic for the, the masses. So I got to use this system a, a fair amount. And it does give you instant shifting at what would be your, your front derailleur, front derailleur ratios. And it works very well, whether you need it or not. <laughs> yeah, well, that, that's, that's my next question. I mean, the the... The, the percentage you get in the gears there isn't tremendously more than you can get with a single ring setup, like you say, like the SRAM. Was it about 530, you said, this system? 530, yeah. Gives you? SRAM gives you about close to that, isn't it? Yeah. If you have a 10 to 50 SRAM cassette, that's, that's 500. And if you have the 10 to 52, that's a 520. So 
it's you know I, it makes me wonder what's the point well so and obviously how many gears is it then is it like it's 12 it, yeah 24 24 in total yeah right. so i guess it's you got a close there are 16 unique gears in there um there argument is that you can have a much closer uh, range of of gears so you've got a 10.5 percent step size between each gear and you haven't got the massive jump to your your bailout gear or whatever and effectively you've got you know you ride around in the big ring all the time with these nice jumps between your gears and then you've got an instantly available bailout gear it effectively shifts sort of three gears at a time by shifting you know pretend chain rings so they reckon that if you're doing a lot of like unflowy trails where you you're changing direction changing speed a lot then you can hair into a corner instantly and reliably dump what would be three gears to to pedal out of the corner again it may find favor amongst racers and people that love gadgets I mean, it works brilliantly well. The power comes from the through axle. So the, the battery actually sits in it in the uh, through axle, what would be the QR lever on your rear axle. And it um, wirelessly induces the hub to change gear. So there's no wires anywhere. And they have a very neat kind of handlebar mounted ring shifter that just goes you know, up and down. But I don't know. Do you need that? Maybe you do. Maybe not. <laughs> I know some some riders, some friends of mine. One in particular, his name will remain nameless, <clears throat> Al. Uh, but he will probably uh, think that this is amazing because he thinks it's ridiculous that we're ditching the front chain rings. And uh, I couldn't disagree with him more. But <laughs> but uh, no, I, I, I imagine that Al's listening to this going, yes, see, I told you. So maybe, maybe yes. he has a point. Are we going to get a set for a mountain bike to test? Uh, we hopefully are, yes. They should be available end of April, early May for testing. So we'll uh, put our, our names into the hat for that. There are a few disadvantages. As I said, it, it does work perfectly. And, you know, they've tested it, tested it under kind of track sprinting power. And it works fine. And it really does kind of shift instantly. However, you do have to use their hubs, which means you have to have either a wheel that they supply or you have to get the hub and build it into your own wheel. And the sort of mm. complete cost of it is about, uh, I think if you get everything and a wheel, it's about 2,700 euros. Uh, Ooh. <laughs> early adopter price. It is a little bit, yes. Yeah. Uh, hey, mm. presumably, though, trickle down on all that, if it proves to be a winner you know maybe in a few years time we'll all be riding these sorts of things i wonder why they did it at flanders is it to highlight not dropping chains and things yeah i think the thing with flanders is that you tend to go flat out in your big ring towards the bottom of these tricky cobbled climbs and then right. you suddenly need much lower gears so it's not a an yeah. undulating kind of, oh, I need one gear more or something. Yeah. It's like flat and then panic stations. And I imagine, you know, if, if you unship a chain on a on a road bike at the bottom of a cobble climb, you're walking up in road shoes and you've effectively mm. lost the race. So that was that was mm. their sort of thinking behind that. So, and 
and they use that same argument as you know if you're writing techy single track where you uh, you need dramatic change in gearing then this is really good also they they say that your suspension will probably work better because it may have been designed around a you know a 34 tooth chainring because a lot of bikes mm. you know the, the all their test riders are super super macho super fast riders who run big chain rings and you and I are riding around on a 28 or a 30 and mm. uh, it's it's a bit bobtastic hey it sounds really good i'm looking forward to seeing that when it comes when we uh... I'll look forward to your news item, which will be coming out shortly, probably as as I writing in it. a few days' time, yes. I imagine. Excellent. Well, it might be out before this podcast hits the airwaves, which That's is cool. Coming. Now, still on the subject of testing, Benji, you've been, uh, well, tell us about a new Marin e-bike that's coming to us. Marin, 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 Marin. <laughs> Chips, Marin, Marin. What uh, is it? Marin, but then only if you Marin. also say Porsche. So you can yeah. call it what you want, I think. Um, they've got a new e-bike range called the Rift Zone E, um, which is they have normal aspirated Rift Zones, don't they, around? Yes. Um, nice, actually. They're like the 130, 140mm kind of trail bikes. Uh, this is their E-assisted version with uh, Shimano stuff, Shimano motors, full motors, fairly full batteries, I think, probably 600s. 620 I think and we will not be getting one because we want I say we I want the Alpine Trail E1 instead what's the difference between them Benji it's got more travel okay right nicely led into where I'm going with this because there was a, a staff chat this 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 morning can't mention the brand we were talking about, but basically what came out, we were talking about different bike e-bikes and travel. And it turns out, Benji, you've got a bit of a problem with what we call full-fat e-bikes and not enough travel. Yeah. What, what, what's your problem with a full-fat e-bike and 120 mil of travel? It's the worst of both worlds. Not that I particularly I think the weight is, is a worst at all, really. But I suppose it is if you want to lift them over places where you're not supposed to go with them is the real problem it's not so much about handling is it it's just i can't get them over five bar gates very easily well that's got nothing to do with travel surely what, what's the what's the you won't t- you you'll basically say that you're, you're you aren't prepared to swing your leg over a full fat e-bike if it's only got 120 mil of travel yes because you can get uh you can get a 160 mil bike regardless of e-bike or not but an e-bike we're talking about to ride you could literally get it to ride just the same as a shorter travel bike can't you you put more pressure in it more air in it or or whatever efficiency has always been allied falsely in my opinion to the amount of travel a bike has so i think uh you can get a once you get a long longer travel uh, e-bike to ride exactly like a short travel one and not vice versa so why bother interesting chips what do you think to that it depends what you want your e-bike for are you you know are you self-shuttling are you using your e-bike to to get to the top of great big mountains well, what or... one bike does it all and one doesn't do as much it, it makes no sense it makes no sense it's just an anti-bravado, I only need 
plague that plague cycling about what's the least we can get away with for some weird reason. It's like bananas. <laughs> it weighs the same. It'll probably handle worse because it'll have a thirty-four on the front and will bind when you try and break it. It'll be more dangerous than the longer travel one. <laughs> I was so hoping this would trigger you, Benji, and it certainly has. But that's kind of why we have these other ones coming out, isn't it? It's why we have these ones that have the lighter, not really because of motor, is it? The motor doesn't really change that much weight, but the commensurate power they need means you can have a much lighter battery. So I can kind of see why you'd have low-power, low-weight e-bike. I can see why you'd have a low-power, big-travel e-bike, because there's got one at the moment, the Kinevo SL. That makes sense. But to have all the weight and hamstring itsness capability is an odd thing. Right. I'm sure our listeners might have their own opinions on this. And if you've got an opinion on this and you'd like it to be uh, read out on the air, then write to Benji at Single Track Towers. I, I, I do think that people think that short, if you have more travel, it's it's less efficient under power. It's not. It's going to be heavier because things get there's more of it, and they're usually fatter, aren't they? So there's a weight issue, but as I don't really think weight really matters, particularly on, on an assisted bike. The more travel you have doesn't affect how much it bobs or anything. Just set it up differently. It's been I, I I always look for more travel. I always myself, but that's probably just because I like to be comfortable, and I just maybe mistakenly as um attribute more travel to more comfort uh, but who knows maybe i'm just not setting up my suspension right but i, I kind of look at 120 mil fork and think mm, yeah I, I, but i could have more so maybe in a roundabout way i'm with you benji i don't know but maybe for me it's probably a less structured argument than yours and more to do with the fact i just think more is better in whatever yeah i suppose the, whatever the, guys it is the issue we used to have with uh more travel as well as when bikes are really short wheelbase you put more travel under the bike and it's and gets it gets taller. very very unstable and it really exacerbates like things like fork dive and stuff like that if it's badly set up so i can see why you would avoid loads of travel when bikes were far too short and now we package quite say we i don't design these things the forks axle to the length of them everyone's used to big wheels Things, head tubes can be short. We've got riser bars on. Just think, now bikes are a lot longer. The centre of gravity can come up a bit, so it's not... Things have changed a bit. There's a 120mm bike. Oh, I can't remember if it's at work or in the garage at the moment, which is worrying, but it is somewhere. <laughs> There's a 120mm bike, and it's the most energy-robbing bike I've ridden for quite some time. And I get on an e -bike? my... No, it's just a normal bike. Right. Um, it's like it's got a wibbly-wobbly fork that go uses all of its travel. You have to put loads of air in it and crank it up, and it's still not damped. The back is bobtastic. And then I get on my inverted commas bike that's 160mm travel with coil springs at both ends at the moment, and it's more stable than that supposedly more efficient bike. It's a load of balls. <laughs> it just is. I think we should leave it there because we're going over to another episode of Desert Island Disc Breaks. Hannah's got another one lined up for us. She's been away in Italy at a top secret launch and she's come back with a flurry of interviews for Desert Island Disc Breaks with a whole bunch of pro riders. So I wonder who we've got this week. So over to you, Hannah. Hannah. 
and welcome to another episode of Desert Islanders Breaks. I'm Hannah and I'm here with Fabian Burrell. Thank you. Really happy to join. And uh, so I don't think you have Radio 4 in France. Not really, no. But that's, this is a shameless rip-off of that. So we look at your life through the bikes that you have ridden. And then at the end of it, we send you off to spend the rest of your days on an island alone. Okay. Okay. Sounds good. <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds okay. Good. I like it. <laughs> so the, the first question is, when did you learn to ride and what was your first bike? Well, my first bike was uh, obviously a full hardtail. Actually, it was a GT. Uh, I think it was called Ricochet or something like that. R-I-C-O-C-H-E-T. Mm-hmm. Um, with a quad, RockShock Quadra 10. That was actually fully elastomer. So this was back in 90... 1993. So and that it was, was your very first bike. This was my very first mountain bike. Ah, oh, that's another question. That's another question. My very, f- very first my bike. very first you might bike. Not be able to remember. Was uh, I have a photo, so it's not remembering. It's yeah. a photo um, of me, like with uh, and my parents were wrong, but I had those little wheels on the side, oh, and um, I yeah. think that's the earliest I remember. It was very ugly helmet, terrible. Those road leather skin helmet that they were using, that's what oh, my yes. parents put on my head. <laughs> so this was bad. And uh, I think the brand of the bike was called Urago, which was a French brand, U-R-A-G-O. Mm-hmm. So this was my first ever bike that I can remember of, or I've seen a photo of, let's say. Yeah. So before actual memories. Yeah. yeah. And did you continue to ride bikes all the way no. through childhood? No, not at all. I, I, I rode bike. I did plenty of different sports. Um, but I, I really get into biking when I was 12, 13 years old, not before. And so what, what was it about bikes that got you into it at that stage? Well, at that stage, I got into bikes because my parents didn't want to do me to do motorbikes. Uh, uh, my brother was doing hard. trails motorbike. He was in uh-huh. the national team. And I wanted to ride motocross. And uh, as I was a little too crazy, they said, well, we got to get you a bike. And they got me a mountain bike. And obviously, the first thing you do is cross country. And I'm like, uh-uh, that's not going to happen. <laughs> I don't okay. like that. And then I, I stopped discovering downhill and got myself into downhill. Okay. So is there like a first memorable off-road ride that you can that you can remember? You know, like, ah, oh, it's, it's, it's super easy because I start really off-roading actually behind my house. Uh, I got the lucky chance to have like a forest ride behind in, in my parents' house where I, where, where I was growing. And um, basically, I just start shaping my own trails and jumps there. And right. I discover what really mountain biking was about just, just behind home. And um, obviously, in the south, we, we're having a fairly rough terrain that is not making mountain biking super mm-hmm. easily. And uh, if you become a good rider there, there's a good chance that you'll be a very good rider everywhere. Yeah. And so, had you seen a lot of other people riding mountain bikes, or were you taking the motorbikes trials thing and like I'm not allowed a mountain a motorbike, so I'm just going to replicate what? I yeah, it was it was pretty much this. Like at the time, I didn't see like the communication was not like today. Mm-hmm. I didn't see much mountain biking by then, and there was no real big races around my my area. So it was more being inspired of what I could do just on my own there. And uh, then there is my neighbor that you may know, that is Nicola Vuillot, that, uh-huh. that started to get really into mountain biking just because he was four years older than I was. And, uh, and obviously, when we start organizing the local race in pay, that's where I, I really mm-hmm. got into downhill myself as well. Right. Okay. Well, that's, you've told us about your first mountain bike. 
Let's take a sad line then. What was the first bike you had stolen? Stolen? Mm-hmm. Believe it or not, none. None? None. 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 A charmed life. No, it didn't happen. Or I'm touch in wood. France, like Touch wood, touch wood. But <laughs> yeah. we had that very unlucky story at um, World Championship 1998. Um, we, the French team is parking all bikes into a garage. Mm-hmm. And um, my my bike on the Saturday evening before the race was about to be done. And I said to the mechanic, I said, well, he wanted to inflate the tires and get all the bike ready. And I said, well, I'm not racing until the afternoon. So let's finish the bike up properly tomorrow morning when our head is fresh. Mm-hmm. And we park all the bikes in that garage. My bike was the first one in the garage. And people break into that garage overnight, the night before the race, took my bike ready to ride and because it was not finished, put it on the side and took the next one. And we could see that on the video surveillance of the Learage. Right. And uh, it didn't get stolen and I was pretty lucky that, that day. So that's that, the answer. We need to all just yeah. let our tires down. And, <laughs> and, and then the next day I won my first uh, World Championship title. So, so charm was the, yeah. the gods were shining down. It was supposed to, at least. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. If the gods were shining down on you that day, today you get to be God and you get to design your own island. Okay. So what are you going to choose by the rocks and the plants and the soil and the weather? Like, What would be your, your dream island to live on well, the, for the, the rest dr- of your day? Yeah, for the rest of my days. Well, I, I would definitely take an island that is pretty big. First of all, to make sure that I got <laughs> enough space to ride around, uh, I'll definitely uh, take a bike with me. Well, you're going to come and, to that. And, well, yeah. and, and for sure, um, for sure, if I have to discover, I would take some, a ground that is pretty sandy with a grippy rocks, um, a little rain every evening by 5, 6 p.m. to make sure that we cool down and get water everywhere is needed and the plant will grow nicely. Okay. Probably having a sunny sunshine all day long i would say that that's what you aim for mm-hmm. and um mainly make sure that you have about maybe 800 900 of, of positive altitude okay. that you can ride and make sure that you can have proper down so not a huge massive mountain but no. just like yeah just just a little one that is enough. sufficient to make sure that you you don't have the top uh now i mean i'm a big fan of skiing so for sure if if we can have the a real winter on the island that 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 You're could gosh, provide me like. yeah, on the on the winter <laughs> I I'll take it for sure. There is there are three things you have to know that I really like into sports. Um, first of all, I really like nature. Uh, okay. It's really important for me to do my sport in the nature. Anything I do, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, I I I love discovering terrain moto. I love skiing and backcountry skiing, mm-hmm. and I obviously love mountain biking. Okay. So, um, what do you are you aware of trash free trails? Do you no, know? No, no. I think it's more UK based. Yeah. But that's all about reconnecting with nature. Yeah. Uh, through the process of picking up trash that you find along yeah. the trails. Yeah. But just like engaging with the trails that you ride on and kind of being thankful yeah. for what yeah. you have. So, Which is what we do. Like clearly, we don't have the concept as you define it clearly, but um, uh, in the communities I'm in and in the way we drive things, we maintain the trails, obviously, mm-hmm. to make sure that there is no ruts and breaking bumps and, and recreate and, and, and make sure that the trail is in good condition and obviously 
cleaning and trash are already part of it mm. and we are putting a lot of pressure just for the the, the mountain generally to stay clean yeah. and uh, we, we do quite a few actions in this way so when you're racing i guess you're like eyeballs out and you're looking at the trail and you're really focused on your performance and stuff but you're saying that actually you really enjoy the being in nature and looking around you part well of you know i always see i always imagine a mountain biker as a surfer a surfer would um, would eat his wave and take the wave and use the energy of the wave to 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 slide and to and to go over the distance he wants to create a mountain biker is in a similar situation if you fight the terrain and you don't play with it to find the right flow if you don't go with the mountain and with the element you won't be a good racer right any good racer is in capacity to find the right pace and right rhythm that go with the terrain and the terrain and the nature around the energy you have from the trees etc is around there is not something you, you can just avoid and surely either you are consciently um, uh, aware of this or you're not surely everyone feels it okay so as you are god and you're going to be on this island forever uh you can choose whether you're going to send an advanced trail team to build all your trails for you yeah and that's it forevermore yeah or whether you're just going to start from scratch on the island and you're going to do it all yourself but then you can you yeah. can be as creative as you want yeah yeah definitely so the second definitely the second solution yeah. and so what sort of trails would you build would you be building like really built stuff or would you be going for natural stuff or I would, I would say that I would adapt to the terrain I have. And, uh, you know, I, I started racing downhill shaping my own trails, like most people do. Mm -hmm. And I have to say that I, I, I did enjoy cleaning my trails and making my trail as much as riding them. So without a doubt, for sure, having the comfort of having trail based there is absolutely amazing. Yeah. And you can create stuff that are way beyond what you could do on your own but shaping your own line and riding it it's like designing your own bike and riding it as well and this is priceless to me and for most of us mortals building your own trail is more achievable than designing your own bike i think well yeah it's definitely <laughs> more but uh, i mean designing your own bike is also not maybe going crazy as i'm going with with r&d departments and things like that but also just creating your build setting up your geometry the way you want, making the bike your own is mm -hmm. something that is very satisfying. Okay. So is there a bike that you wish that you had, but you never did have? One you lusted after? Yeah, I would say yes. Yeah, I'm always dreaming about bikes that I want to have and I don't know. I don't have. But there's I, not one out there that like you, you couldn't ride because you were on the wrong sponsor at the time or ah, something like that. Um, like, a bike, no, like just like that. I, I'm, I'm lucky enough to, to, to have been able to develop everything really I wanted uh, until now. I have a lot of crazy ideas I'd like to push behind, but it's, it's often hard with the brands to, to make them trying to have a lot of step in advance or going crazy advanced research mm -hmm. like we want. But I think it's also how sometimes you create small revolution. And I did that in the past on geometry aspect, on suspensions, on the, on on bow wheels back in mm -hmm. the days and things like that. And I think there is there is a lot more to do and still to do. And uh, all the electronic that is coming in is a new wave of things to understand what is possible, including on the e-bikes and or not. And um, I, I I do believe that there is a lot more that can be done. But I would say 
a bike that I really wanted and I didn't ride, I would say no. I always had the chance to develop what I wanted. Oh, nice. Okay. Well, have you ever got it wrong? Is there a bike that you've had that you wish you hadn't? Like, ah. Uh, oh, for like... sure. Oh, yeah. This plenty, plenty <laughs> prototypes where we did mistakes, bike setup where we got it wrong. Yeah, for sure, without a doubt, there is there is things that we did wrong in the past. And most of the time, what's frustrating also in my role is that you develop a bike. This bike is finished, goes out in the market generally a year after mm -hmm. or a year and a half. But during that year and a half, you had other ideas that are actually been growing through your mind and completely changed the vision of right. what you done that year before. So you end up launching a product that is not exactly in line with what you would have expected. Right. Hey, 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 just a minute. Hello, hello, hello. We're recording. <laughs> Wait for him to root. Can you can you get that? Yeah, yeah we can edit it. It's okay. fine. <laughs> Thank, Thank you. you. Sorry. <laughs> uh, so you've been lucky enough to design the bikes that you want. What was the first bike that you bought with your own money? So as as a, as a joke, uh, and it's not a joke. I actually, believe it or not, never buy a bike. Never? You've never bought a bike in I your whole I, life? I never bought a bike, <gasps> believe it or not. I, um, I enter into the sport, so my parents bought me my first kind of mountain bike. Mm -hmm. After that, um, I wanted to get into downhill and it was really expensive and that was right on the moment my brother was stooping trail model. And my brother sold his motorbike and with the money, bought me my first ever downhill bike. Okay. And I did my first race in pay in 1995 downhill. During that first race, I did a good result and they asked me to do the sweeper of Capdai World Cup. Mm -hmm. And I did a sweeper of Capdai World Cup. That was my second race in my life. And I got the 17th time overall. And Max Comensol from Comensol mm -hmm. Bikes came to see me and offered me a four-year contract to ride for him. Just like that? In four months. So from my first race to my first pro contract was four months. So I actually never bought a bike in my life. And you didn't have to sell your soul. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so on the island, you're going to have a lot of time on your hands. Yeah. So what skill? Which is priceless. I need time. <laughs> I need time. Like everyone, I need time. Bring up the island. <laughs> so what skill would you like to learn? Uh, surviving. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely surviving skills. How to work around the elements that you have around you. Uh, have a lot less impact with the, the amount of communication we're having today. Well, you won't be allowed to communicate with but anyone that, on that's why, that's so. why. That's why learning how to be without it and uh, connecting more with the elements that I have around me, which is basically the nature and, um, and, and what's, uh, what's, uh, what's on the island. Yeah. It sounds very monk-like. Yeah, which, 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 uh, which could be in some way, not for life, but for a certain pattern of time, could, could be a, a good reset for for, for people. Well, you, you could probably go off to Tibet and well, do that. Well, maybe, maybe one day you'd be surprised <laughs> and ask where I am. <laughs> okay, so now we're getting down to the really hard questions. You only get to take one bike with you. Ha! 
to ride That's... forevermore on these trails that you are going to build. Yep. So, what's it going to be? So, I define the bike. I don't give brands. Let's put it this way. Okay. I would, I would, I would take definitely without doubt the trail bike to be able to do everything I want. I would definitely put a big fork on it. Mm-hmm. Probably I would say 170 mil travel with 150, 155 mil travel on the on the bike on the rear. That doesn't sound very much like a trail bike. Yeah, it is to me. That's <laughs> what I call a trail bike. <laughs> Fairly enduroish, something that would allow me to go quite easily up around 12 mm-hmm. kilo, 12.5, light and poppy to be able to play. It jumps as much as I would like to. It curves at high speed. It still carry a good speed on flat trails in case I have to go around the island. And um, I would definitely go for quite big wheels to make sure I have stability and downhill casing because you don't want to flatten the island. No. <laughs> and um, and yeah, just um, just enjoy the ride and make sure I have uh, a telescopic seat post that has got a lot of travel so I can really go downhill right. properly with a low saddle when it's the time. And uh, probably a... proper downhill bar, 780, something okay. that would provide me the comfort I need and, and rip it up, yeah. Do you have a preference on frame material? I would definitely uh, go for carbon. With the construction, it was not the case. Let's say seven, eight years ago, I was still in doubt on some aspect of what the material could bring. Uh, But with the understanding we have now of the fiber and how the frame could be built, uh, carbon is the way to go. Cool. Um, You can have an annual visit from a mechanic to do something that you either don't want to do or don't know how to do or something that just drives you so crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So so what would you like this mechanic to do for you? Service my suspension (laughs) in the best way you can. (laughs) The dark art. You're not the first person to say that. That's definitely all the rest all the rest I can I can do at great servicing I would say I can do as well. But uh, probably adapt my setting and dumping with a bit of a Shimtak joining me with a DAQ and a little computer to make sure I can set up for the island properly my bike. Okay. And are you gonna have an air shock or a coil shock? Or I would shock? I would definitely go for a coil. Coil. Yeah, without a doubt. Okay. And we will give you a single track subscription. So you yeah. will always have something to read. Fantastic. But you also get to take another book. Yeah. So what book would you like to take? Le Petit Prince. Ah, a From Saint Exupéry, you know why? You can read this book as many times as you want, and you will never understand the story twice the same way. <laughs> yeah. And this, this is the beauty of this book. I think I read it once and went, huh? Yeah. And you know what? <laughs> you will read it again, and you will be, huh? Oh well, maybe I should go back. It's only short, isn't yeah? it? So. Yeah, it's not long, but very inspiring, and put your brain out there too. Yeah. Okay, so something short but inspiring. Okay. Yeah. And you get to take one album with you, one music album with you. That's a tough one. Mm-hmm. I'm not an expert on music, but I have to say that ACDC is probably the one I would oh, take. Oh, I like your yeah. style. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. That's what I would <laughs> take. <laughs> Sounds old school, but I would, without a doubt, take that. And, and you get to take one luxury item as well. You can't take anything that you can communicate with the outside world. Okay. And you can't take anything that you might escape on. But... A luxury item is not, is not something to communicate with the others. Well, it's something okay. that is close to your heart. Um, one luxury item that I would take with me, not to communicate, so it can be any any object. Any object, yeah. Any object that you could take. 
But no yachts, you know, because you'd escape no, on a yacht. No, I won't take it. It sounds like you're quite happy to stay. So. <laughs> yeah, I would be. And you've, uh, got, you've got a helmet, you've got some trail tools, you've got a toolkit. So yeah. You know, your bike is going to be fine. So all that aspect of things will be good. Yeah. I don't think I would need much more. I would I would probably like to take uh, to take my tools to make sure that I can hunt properly the way I want. Oh. Yeah, hunting. so maybe a, maybe a bone and arrow. Or something like that, something very close to nature, so you can make sure that you eat properly, and you can fish with a bow and arrow as well. So. Oh, can you? Yeah, I for think sure. That might require a lot you, of patience. You attach your rope, and you can you can do so. Have it you depends, done it? it depends on what you can have around the around the island. Could be a lot of fish. Well, your God, you get to see yeah. this fish. Yeah, there, so. there you go. Yeah. There you go. Okay. Have you done that before? Then have you have you hunted with a bow and arrow? I never hunted in my life. Well, I think Never. you should have made, maybe though, you but didn't say survival been, skills. I've so, been, yeah. I've been, I've been uh, uh, shooting bow and arrow and uh, from large distance, okay. 100, 120 meters. And you'd be surprised of the precision you can have here. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, cool. Okay, well, I hope that you are set for a long and fruitful survival. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm fully ready. Tell me you when you I'm going. You sound like you're ready. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thank you very much yeah. for joining My us today. My pleasure. Thank you, Anna. <laughs> Uh, welcome back. So you join us back in the studio. Uh, now, before we sign off, I've just got one more question. And it relates to an image that we posted in Fresh Goods Friday last week. An Chips. offensive image. Was it offensive? <laughs> yes. Well, it, it certainly... <laughs> there, there's a picture in Fresh Goods Friday of you in, so in basically in green lycra, top to toe. Uh, and we, it did feature in this week's puzzle slider that we put out in Mental <laughs> oh, Monday <laughs> joy. for those brave enough to have a go at it. And uh, so it just got me thinking, well, one, why? Uh, two, is, is there still a place in mountain biking for Lycra? And I don't mean underneath because we probably, I think, is it acceptable to go out riding a mountain bike these days just wearing Lycra? It, oh. I, uh, I don't know. I, <laughs> yes, <laughs> do whatever you want, guy. Is the real answer. But I think there is. I wonder why people just wear lycra. I mean, it's just cold, isn't it? If you live over here, but I suppose you can get skin tight windstopper, which is the same sort of cling on effect, isn't it? Well, before we get Chips's input on this, because he was the one, yeah. you know, wearing it all. I think a lot I mean... of the problem with that. Photograph with the colour. <laughs> it's a really odd colour for lycra. I'm not used to it. Used to well, like at least it wasn't bright. white, which is at least it wasn't white, which is what Chips's normal default lycra colour is. <laughs> but I, I have to say, I've got loads of baggies, you know, and they've got liners built in and that sort of thing. And and I have to say, I kind of miss riding out in just lycra shorts because I, st I still maintain unless i'm not wearing the right baggy shorts these days there's nothing more comfortable than just a pair of lycra shorts i i'm not i'm not advocating it like i said i'll i'm, I'm never going out again just riding in lycra shorts <laughs> but it is remarkably comfortable and i've not come across anything as comfortable as just a pair of nice lycra shorts to ride a bike in hmm. I, I anyway, think... let's 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 get the opinion yeah. of the man himself. Yeah, chips. I, I, I'd say first of all, all lycra shorts should be black. That should be the law, and no. Color. But why are yours never black? 
Why are yours tartan and white and green? We never see you in black lycra. Because uh, they can sell all the black shorts that they make. So they, so the ones they send out to review are always coloured. Also, there seems to be a worrying trend in... So that, that's your excuse that's and you're my, sticking to it, yes, really, absolutely. is it? There's a worrying trend in, in the gravel world where people are riding out in kind of feral and ball colours. I don't know what colour mine would be, sort of Tuscan olive. But there's, you know, I've seen a lot of like aubergine shorts and, you know, dusky pink and, and some really quite odd looking colours from people trying to be a bit different. But I'm with Mark Cavendish, uh, who, when he, when he won the World Championships, it comes with the obligation to wear the World Championships, uh, World Champions jersey for the next year. But also it comes with white shorts. And Cav was like, no, I'm going to wear black shorts, thanks. Uh, I'll wear the jersey, but uh, and you can find me for not wearing the correct outfit, but I'm going to wear black shorts. But in terms of like Lycra on its own, I would say there still isn't a better uh, on-bike storage solution than the three-pocket road jersey. I think having three pockets in the back of a Lycra jersey is the best way of carrying a fair amount of stuff and no amount of cargo shorts or or lycra with pockets which is also wrong is is going to uh, beat that so i think lycra jerseys in terms of shorts uh i think it depends on are you vaguely the right shape for lycra shorts uh, because they they are mm. particularly unflattering or flattering i guess if you're feeling buff and Possibly the temperature, I think. I mean, it used to be that it was verboten for any mountain biker to wear winter um, like bib tights in the winter because that was full lycra and it wasn't allowed and you weren't allowed to wear baggy shorts over your full lycra uh, bibs. Uh, but then I think Steve No Pete, one told me that. Well, I think St Steve Pete championed the, the full tight with baggy shorts over the top and suddenly it was okay. Mm even though it looks a bit odd. But I think Lycra shorts on their own, it probably depends on the speed and the circumstances. If you're riding fast, then no one's going to see you, you in your Lycra shorts for very long. And, uh, and if you're not, <laughs> if you're aware of finishing your ride in a country pub full of farmers, it may not be the best thing to, to be wearing. Fair enough. There we go. That's the definitive word, the single track policy on Lycra. Can I, can I just be um, modern and say every shape is the right shape to wear Lycra? You can wear it if you want. Yeah, okay, yes. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's how we should leave that conversation. That's that's pretty good. So anyway, that's all for this week. First of all, uh, what are you up to this week, Benji? Anything planned? Any bike riding you're going to do of note? Yes, cramming it in really. Um, I don't need to ride any more the hardtails anymore. There is oh, there's loads. Um, I don't know how to answer that really. I'd like like to um, get out on um, my own bike. <laughs> <laughs> so I might do. Might do that on Sunday. We shall see. Cool. Chips, what are you up to this week? I, I well, I think we've, you've sort of uh, outlined you're going to be up in the valley this week, aren't you? I, I am. By the time you listen to this, I will be up in the valley. But before then, I'm going to the cycle show in London tomorrow in Alexandra Palace. 
So I'm getting a train up from Somerset and I'm going for the day just to see see what's there, see uh, catch up with the bike industry, see what the overall vibe is in the world, whether everyone's got far too many bikes filling their warehouses or uh, and it's all a disaster or if it's a great time to be a, to be a modern cyclist. I'm going to be uh, on Saturday, I'm going paddle boarding for the first time ever. Yeah. which should be fun talking about lycra and everything that i'm going to be wearing a, a wetsuit which i think is probably going to be even worse uh and then on sunday i think i'm going up to Winlatter. so if anyone's riding Winlatter on sunday i should be uh, blatting around uh maybe just my usual Winlatter um schedule is to go and go shall we do the big red no let's just do the blue twice and then go at the calf so anyway if you if you're up there and win latter give us a shout if you spot me on the trails and other than that i think that's all for us this week until next week that's uh, a goodbye from me goodbye from me goodbye from me a wave as well <laughs> all right for, goodbye from here for those for those listening in black and white benji's just waved so that's all cheers everybody bye <laughs>Deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rose, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.